Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Dan Corridor, who is the president of Strategic CFO, which is a company designed to enhance financial leadership in order to meet the ever-demanding changes of organizations. Lots of changes happening these days. So welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you very much, Birgit. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, and it's not often that I have a guest on the show that I can say has experienced with five C's. And what I mean by that is you've been a CFO, you've been a CRO, you were a CPA, you've been a CEO. And even though I didn't see that on your official bio, I know from our conversations that you've also acted as a COO. In fact, I watched one of your videos and it said one of the ways that CFOs could add leadership and value to the CEOs is to really understand the business and think like a COO does. So is that how you were twice promoted in your career to CEO when you were originally a CFO? Well, it's uh, funny you mentioned that. I'd never thought about all the, all the C's, just the way you put it. But I think the promotions from CFO to CEO came about because I was fortunate enough to have that operational experience. First half of my career, I would work for very large publicly traded companies or multinationals. And I had the privilege of working hand in hand with PL leaders of very large divisions, hundreds of millions of dollars. And so I loved the operating side of the business. And that's where I came to realize that if I'm going to add value, I better understand the operation. And yeah. every CFO that we've ever hired since then, or myself or our firm, we look for those traits. We look for operational traits because we really believe that the way a CFO is going to add value to an organization is to think like a COO. Mm. Well, <laughs> and you obviously have figured out how to do that yourself, but also now your company is not just someone who comes in and, and helps other companies with their financials. You're as an advisor, you also have workshops and trainings, even CPE credit ones to help current CFOs. What inspired you to do that? Well, I do have to recognize that our founder, Jim Wilkinson, was behind the coaching workshops. When I acquired the firm, it came with the workshops, but I fell in love with the workshops quickly. And so did my managing director, because we realized this is the missing piece. And thanks to Jim, he turned over that rock and found that diamond before we did. But that was the missing link between strategic CFO and a regular CFO mm. was being able to coach that person and be strategic to the CEO was understanding the operation. Yeah. And so <laughs> I know in an unfortunate event, Jim passed away. Did you already know him before that point? I did. Jim and I met back in the 90s. I actually, my brother-in-law ended up hiring Jim back then uh, for a project. And I said, you got to meet this guy. He's fantastic. And you guys will really hit it off. And we did. We met for many years, stayed in touch, connected the dots a lot. So Dan, you were ready to be your own CEO. Did Jim's passing away speed that up or were you already looking for something? I was already looking for something and I had been for many years. When I left the uh, large company arena of publicly traded international companies, I felt that I really wanted to own and operate something. So even going back 2002 or three, I was looking to acquire a small business, everything from manufacturing facility to a franchise and just never found the right fit for me. And that's why it didn't happen. But I had always kept my eye out for owning and operating something. And when the opportunity came about to acquire our current firm, I just thought it was a fantastic platform to finally do something on my own. Yeah. Well, 
And uh, I know when I introduced you, I said Dan Corridor, but I also speak various languages and I know normally you would say Corredor. And so how much does speaking Spanish matter these days and how has it helped you? It's always helped me throughout my career. I don't think I would have gotten my first job as controller for Latin America back with EVI oil tools or Sperrison drilling if I didn't speak Spanish because my role was in Latin America three weeks a month traveling. So I'm very convinced that that's one of the reasons. And it's helped me since then. I've had lots of good professionals I've met or companies that were of Latin American origin. And I think they felt more comfortable speaking in Spanish. It's helped me throughout my career. Yeah. And it sounds like to me like that's a competitive edge you have, but oh yeah, you're also seems like a lifelong learner. And if I understand it, or if my research is correct, you're also a pilot or were a pilot. I am a pilot. Yeah. I have, I'm a private pilot with a commercial designation, instrument rated. I've been a pilot since I was 18 years old. Mm. I got my private license when I was senior in high school. And most of my flying has been for fun. Fortunately, since since I acquired this firm, I have had a couple of clients outside of Texas or further out of Houston, down in Brownsville. So got to fly for work, which was fantastic. So yes. it's, a, it's a passion of mine. It's a hobby. And yeah, I really enjoy it. Well, it seems like you, everything you touch turns to gold. So of course I have to well, ask. About that. <laughs> well, you have experience leading in more than 2000 employees. Have you ever struggled in leading people? Oh, absolutely. Being a good leader, Leader, it's probably one of the hardest things there is. And I don't think you just do that overnight. So it's certainly, I've had my struggles. And did you ever have a blind spot or did you have an aha moment where you're like, oh, the way I'm leading is not working? Yeah, I think kind of related to that blind spot is I think probably one of the most valuable things that I learned actually before I had that leadership role was watching other leaders that were very successful. I was very fortunate to be around and meet some CEOs and entrepreneurs that were extremely successful with their organization and the culture of their organization, which is probably the most critical. And I I learned from them and watched why they're successful. And I think, you know, we all have heard the message, the tone starts at the top, Mm -hmm. but I don't think many people take that serious. I really don't. Mm-hmm. CEOs and boards is what I'm referring to because I've seen CEOs and boards maybe rattle that off, but not really practice it. And so I believe it's just a fact that humans, most humans aren't leaders. Most humans are looking for leadership. Mm-hmm. Most humans will follow someone that's a good leader. And fortunately, that's that's great because there's you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen. The tone at the top is critical. The companies that I've seen that are successful and I've been fortunate to run, we set a good tone at the top. If you've got a dysfunctional board, a functional leader, CEO, or that doesn't have the buy-in from the rest of the organization, that percolates throughout the organization. And it's just obvious. And people are just there to get a paycheck. And that's that's not a strong company. That's a weak company. The strong leader, the strong CEO is the one that the employees will follow the CEO off a cliff yeah. because they buy in. They really believe in. And that all starts with the truth, telling the truth to the employees, good news or bad news, and being honest with them and developing those relationships. One of the things I also learned during my leadership roles, because I I enjoyed operations. I would spend time out in the field or in the plant or in the warehouse. And the more I talked to the people at the lowest end of the pay scale that have been there a long time, I started developing those relationships. And people admire that. People like a leader who exposes himself to everyone in the organization. If a CEO is going to be in an office in a beautiful conference room and that's it, then they're not really going to develop that relationship with all the employees in the business and get out there and, and have that cultural change. Well, it sounds like you've had some great mentorship you learn from others. So you've never struggled yourself as a leader? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've struggled when we've had situations that were financially distressed, struggling organizations. Probably the worst situation, which really hit home, 
them was when I had to lay off 1,200 people from an organization. And that was a struggle. And as CEO, I found myself, you know, working through the night with payroll, the department just trying to make payroll and make sure we paid everybody. So those were struggles. And then having bad apples also, as a CEO, you learn that not everybody might be a contributor. And I think some, another blind spot I had was learning that we think in an organization, there's this one individual who has the keys of the kingdom, knows it all, has been here 20 years, but is a cancer in the organization. And I thought, well, I can't touch this person, right? Because Mm -hmm. if I do, then something's going to fall off the road, off the tracks, and I need this person. And I finally made the decision that this person had to go. And that fortunately, that was kind of early on in one of my early leadership roles. Then I realized we do have bad apples in the organization. And probably the best thing we could do is make that change as soon as possible. I call it the sacred cow. There are no sacred cows in a business, not even the CEO. Mm. There are no sacred cows. So when we have a bad apple or somebody that's cancerous in the culture of the organization, the best thing we could do is let them go as soon as we know that. And then what will happen is a month later, people are going to go, wow, why didn't we do that sooner? And everything really moves forward. So that was a big learning experience for myself, dealing with some of these individuals that weren't contributors and has really helped me change in how I manage people. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. I'm sure a lot of leaders can relate to that. So as we start to wrap up the show, a lot of leaders have been through crisis and chances are they'll be facing more crisis. So do you have a tip or two that you want to share about how you've made it through crisis? I mean, you've restructured many times. So what would you say would be something important to know? Really making an effort to develop that relationship with all the employees we employ base. And the COVID year last year was a great example. I've talked to very large companies that have presence all over the world. And one of their challenges today is a lot of people have gotten used to working remotely. Mm -hmm. And the business leaders are saying, well, it's time to go back to the office. The employer is saying, oh, no, I don't want to go. I like what I'm doing at home. Mm -hmm. I like working in my pajamas. So there's been a struggle. And I've seen it with many companies of different sizes. And I think what's working, the way to get around that is we've got to give give and take a little bit. And we've got to create some flexibility with the employee base. And technology does work, but I'm a big believer in FaceTime also. Mm -hmm. So maybe structure a a schedule that has more flexibility. If they do come into the office, don't make them drive in rush hour. I'm doing that with some of my employees. Give them flexible time to get in. Maybe they do a couple hours of work at home, let rush hour get over with, then come in the office. Maybe work two or three days in the office and then two days at home. But that flexibility, I've seen some organizations do that and we've done it ourselves. And it's really helped us get over this hurdle of, I worked remote 18 months, I can continue working remote. Yeah. It's just something that helps. Yeah. And as you said, you said it at the top, the tone, and you're walking your talk. I know from speaking with you, you're implementing what you just shared. And then the other thing I want to say before we wrap up is you have this amazing way of helping a lot of CFOs. I know you said there's technology is great, but a lot of CFOs don't even know about product that you guys have developed called QuickRose. And so much data analysis is needed these days for companies, especially now that there's so much remote, you have to really rely on data. So anything you want to say about the QuickRose? Yeah, thank you. QuickRose is is an add-in that goes on your hard drive and it allows you to create pivot tables and do VLOOKUPs without writing any formulas. Excel is a fantastic tool, but if you know pivot tables and no data analytics, you have to write a lot of formulas. Well, QuickRose was developed actually by a colleague of mine, and you can create the most complex pivot tables with two or three clicks on your data and not write a single formula. Saving it a ton sa- of time. <laughs> it saves hours and hours. And, and it brings that tool down to lower end users because before you had to be intermediate or advanced to write pivot tables. Now, a basic Excel user can create the most complex pivot tables by just having a couple clicks on the mouse. So fantastic. it is a fantastic 
tool that we believe has a, a tremendous future because you're right. It's all about data now and data analytics. If you think about it, 15 years ago, the profession data analytics or data science really didn't exist. And today it's a hot commodity. Yeah. I'm so glad that you have that to offer. And I know there's a lot of companies who also want the flexibility of not having a high pirate CFO yet having someone who can help them, which I know your organization does as well. So therefore, if anyone wants to speak with you, they can go to strategiccfo.com. And thank you again for being willing to contribute to other leaders with your leadership lessons learned. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure.